0: What's that, new running fans? Welcome back to the Tracks to Podcast. This is part two of our two-part special. I hope you enjoyed the first part, and uh, it was very, I it was a little bit intense. There was a lot of good uh, subjects that we went through, myself and Alfie. But we are going to deep dive straight into the second part of this special. Thanks for joining us once again. My name is Lloyd, your host for today. Welcome back to the show. Let's let's talk more positive news because there are, you know, we're going to round this, uh, we're going to round this episode off with uh, a quick weekly news roundup obviously we've covered some bits across the episode already um if you are a regular listener or you're maybe a first-time listener we do a weekly uh, this is uh, what's it called Is what's it called Alfie? This this week this, in athletics, week, this week in we athletics it's called this week yeah this week in athletics we do that every single week uh, it comes out on a youtube channel so if you'd like a four or five minute segment of the last seven days of athletics news rather than listening to this podcast episode just just subscribe to our YouTube trackster hit the uh, hit the notification bell and that'll uh, that'll land in your inbox every single week and really if you watch that every single week you will be in the know about everything that you really need to know. but anyway, we're gonna do a quick roundup now. Um, sticking with Valencia the 10k obviously world record in the women's we had a win for Jacob um Kip Limo. he looks smooth out in front. But I wanted to highlight a couple of results closer to home. In the women's race, we had two British athletes that finished inside the top 20, uh, which is incredible depth. We had Megan Keith, who's had an insane cross-country season. She ran a massive personal best of 31 minutes 22. Uh, She finished 18th. And then in 12th place, just missing the top 10, was Jessica Warner Judd. She ran a personal best of 30 minutes and 41 seconds, which I believe... Well, I'm just outside the Olympic qualifier, Alfie, I think.
1: Let me check while you carry on, and I can tell you that shortly. Well, well, I read that on Twitter.
0: Um, James Rhodes said that it was one second outside the uh, the Olympic qualifier, so, and he's a pretty good source, so we'll go with that. But incredible runs from uh, from our girls there from Great Britain inside the top 20 and even further down in the field as well. It was a, it was a great day for so many British athletes like Zach Mohammed ran very well in the men's race. Um, we also had uh, Jacob Allen; he ran really well as well for Team England. The Team England team did fantastically well on the day. Were there any performances in the Valencia Ten K, Alfie, that stood out for you away from
1: obviously first, second, and third? Uh, I, I think, like you said, the, just the England guys. It was funny actually seeing Jack Gray and Jacob Allen come in, essentially with the women's winner. Um, yeah. It's just it's it's great to see Kipley running well because I think he's generational talent uh shout out to james gormley actually who i he's from sheffield so i'm a bit biased but he did a he won the 3k at the eis last week in 753 looked unbelievable he was like 50 meters behind with 600 to go timed his race really well could have run many more laps and he's traditionally a very short distance athlete and he still came up and ran 28:57. but unfortunately for some reason the race swapped his bib with someone else, so on the official results it says he ran twenty nine twenty three, when actually he ran twenty eight oh. fifty seven. Or unless he's lying to us all, maybe he's just he just ran slower and didn't want to admit it. But yeah, so he ran really well, especially as a short distance guy. So for me, from a biased perspective, knowing him well, that was a, a great result to see.
0: James Gormley is is low key one of my favourite athletes to watch. Just from a just he's just like smooth as butter, mate. What a runner. He is Imagine I a, honestly think he has the talent to go all the way. He is that good.
1: He's the most talented runner I've ever seen in my life, by far. Most the most talent the training he does, like he asked if I wanted to do a jump in with a session with him over Christmas. And if I did that session, I would be so much slower. If that's what my training was like, I'd be so much worse than I am. And he he just short knows how sharp. to get it right. Not even sharp, just short. Short and slow, pretty much. That's basically how he trains most of the time just really conservative but it works for him and he's like i said the most talented guy i've ever seen
0: yeah i remember the first time i had the uh, pleasure of calling one of his races was at the core cool, we're going back a few years now in covid but the bromley twilight invitational and this was when you could only have six athletes in a race in the uk because of uh, covid laws and James Gormley didn't get into the A race. The A, the a race, 3,000 meter race, was won by Mark Scott. He ran 7.40. James West was second in like 7.41. Third was like Phil Sessman, fourth Johnny Davies. I think last place was inside 7.50. It was Alex Yee was in it. Alex so Yee, the field yeah. was Mark Scott, James West, Phil Sessman, Johnny Davies, Alex Yee, and a pacemaker. So there were five in each race and then a pacemaker. And that was amazing. But James Gormley, he won the B race in... 7.59 or something like that but his last lap was about 54 55 seconds um and then a few years later uh more recently he did come back i'm just trying to remember now i think it was come back no sorry it was a it was a it was sorry it was a bmc i was commentating a british miles club race with with hannah england and obviously james Cormley went to Birmingham university so hannah knows him really well and i was commentating on this race and she was the lead commentator and she was talking about the first and second athlete. And James Gorman was a little bit further back. It's about 10 metres off the front, guys. And about two laps to go, I just said to Hannah, I said, if James Gorman is still there with 600 metres to go, I will bet my entire bank balance and this house that he wins this race. And lo and behold, he ran a 55-second last lap and
1: won it by about 50 metres. It's just an absolute do you know, enigma. Do you know who came second in that race? Did you come second? Yeah, I came second. <laughs> you understand the kick, mate. His kick was insane. Yeah, I, I um, I got told by my coach, just follow whatever James does. And it's easy to do that until he does some, <laughs> something like that. And I can remember, like, I closed fast because I was in, like, sixth with a lap to go. I think I closed in, like, 58. And James still got away from me whilst I was going past everyone else. And I was speaking to him after, and he was like, yeah, I could have, I, I was. I had another gear there. I just didn't want to go into it. And I was just like, it's just unfair.
0: What a beast. But, um, yeah, rest of the news. So what we've got coming up, obviously, this weekend, you're racing at this international cross-country meet on Saturday at Parliament Hill. Parliament Hill, arguably known as the home of cross-country running. It's been going on there for donkey's years. It's such an iconic venue. The race itself, which was originally uh, sponsored by On Running, now no longer sponsored by On Running, um, is going to be the trial race for the World Cross Country Championships. Do I have that right?
1: Yep, but only first place gets selected.
0: So only first place gets the gets the seat on the plane. But it's going to be a bit of a different format of cross country running. There is going to be a live stream, so we urge you to watch uh, watch on Saturday. It's live on British Athletics YouTube channel. Um, but it's two kilometer laps. So I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to basically take the night of the 10 K PVs and put it on the grass. So there's a beer tent. I think there's music two kilometer lap. So really spectator friendly. Um, so it's a great innovation. Um, but I suppose we should talk about, I don't know whether you saw it this week on Twitter, Alfie, there was a little bit of um, negative press around the race. Did you see it?
1: Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. It's uh well, you 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 take the lead on it since I'm racing. I'm a bit I'm a bit more biased towards it as a whole honor. So,
0: well, I saw a tweet from Ollie Laws who works for On Running about a week ago, and he, I think he either quoted or he applied he replied to a tweet of British Athletics. British Athletics were promoting the race, and it was like, you know, this is coming up on Saturday. Go and watch. Blah blah blah. Classic spiel and i think they got about 10 likes on the tweet and ollie Law's replied to it saying um yeah good work something like good work with your 10 12 likes that you've got on this uh momentum was building when on was sponsoring it back in uh whenever it was until you dropped us and i was like oh that's a bit Close to the edge, like he's gone for it there. Considering he works for On, and but then at the same time, I know Ollie, and he doesn't really mince his words. So I was like, right, I need to kind of do a bit of digging, a little bit of a investigative, investigator, journalist hat went on, and I found out that obviously British Athletics are sponsored by Nike, so they dropped on, but they were previously sponsored by Nike. So I was a little bit like, well, didn't you know that already, kind of thing. But I don't know whether that contract was up for renewal. Who knows? So. I was biting my tongue because all week, I was like, last two weeks, I was like, I've not seen any promotion for it. I've not seen anyone talking about it. Because I was going to race it. I wanted to do it. I was really excited for it. I couldn't even find out where to enter it. I had to go through about four loopholes on the British Athletics website to find a side side door to, to even enter. And it really bogged me down. I was like, this race deserves so much better. Like, this innovation deserves so much better. This sucks. And I eventually tweeted quoted the tweet saying that look i ain't i ain't going after the fact that there's barely been any marketing of it no promotion and on or not involved and obviously you know what draw on bring when it comes to an event i was like oh, I'll, just, I'll just run at home and i said i th- obviously i said about their instagram page they created an instagram page for the race nine days out from the race i begs it begs belief like Market in a race nine days out, like it if I had to summarise this whole situation, it's that it's that old rhetoric of put a race on and people will come. Yet how many years have we got to see stadiums that are empty, races that have got no one in it, no one watching it? And the reason why there's no one watching it is because the people that know about the sport either haven't seen it or aren't interested in it because you've not really built any excitement. And the people that don't know about the sport, the people that don't even watch athletics, are you actually expecting any of them to turn up? So if you're not catering for the, the current audience, and you definitely ain't catering for any of our new audiences, really, you're relying on a few mums and dads, isn't you, to come and watch th- their, their their family run. I just think the whole event deserves better. And I've to a few people behind the scenes who organise races, and, it, and it, oh mate, it sounds like an absolute mess, to be honest. But... Best of luck, Alfie. Have a good run. Do you know? I actually do hope it's a really good event. I just feel that it deserves way better.
1: Yeah, I just hope they don't judge the metrics off views or something because if that's the case, it probably never happen again. Whereas I think it needs the promotion it deserves, and I think it should stay. Uh, it's just if they, they ever do it again, because if it does badly, are they going to go? Oh, we'll spend money on this next year as well. Like probably not. So yeah, it's. It's a bit of a mess. I'd like to see it get promoted better, but I think that's probably the same with the vast majority of things in this sport at the minute.
0: Well, when I was writing out the tweet, I had a million, and a million things going around my mind. I was like, all right, well, do I reference this? Do I reference that? How hard do I go in at these people? Because I understand firsthand how hard it is to put on a race meet. Come back 5,000. and I've organized that two or three years with Steve. It's so much hard work. It literally takes over your life. Okay, but it only takes over your life if you don't have the team around you, like if you've limited resources. But you shouldn't have limited resources if you're backed by British Athletics, who are sponsored by Nike, like or on or whoever were, we're helping out. A bit like you shouldn't you shouldn't have to do it with a tiny team. But one thing that annoyed me was that Traxter, I rarely publicly say, "Oh yeah, Traxter's this good" or Traxter's got this going for him right we just do what we do go about business I've, I've said to you haven't i from the start always be the nice guy you can't hate the nice guy if you're a, if you're a dickhead people won't like you in any walk of life but i feel that in the uk we are by far clear number one for reach for 16 to 24 year olds that are athletics fans i think uh, would you agree
1: yeah yeah I, yeah by far like
0: I personally put as miles, like like the gap is huge. And if we was promoting this event or if we were asked to promote this event or even like even on the lowest level, just talking about it on the podcast, being asked to be a talk, being asked to promote it on our socials or whatever. We would have gladly done that because it's a British race that we want to support. Yet the people that are organising these races, they're not thinking, okay, what media outlets can we use that's going to cater for this demographic, this age group, this type of audience. I just, I just don't get it. It's so dated. And yeah, I just, I, I don't want to keep ranting about it because I sound like a bitter old man, but I just want to see, I just want to see better, man, because I know it can be done better. It's been proved. It's been proven by ON, it's been proven by other events. It can be done. Um, way better than it seems to have been done this time around so we'll see what happens i guess
1: yeah it it seems like the like the night of 10k pbs these sort of independent meets do better because it's people doing it from a perspective of they're building in the event whereas it seems like a lot of the time if it's a british athletics event it's just ticking boxes to make it happen and then that's it like do you know what i mean um I don't want to, you know, I guess it's you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you kind of thing. But it's it's undeniable, isn't it? So.
0: Yeah, and I I don't want to keep putting I don't want to keep asking you questions because obviously you're really active in the scene at the moment, especially with the British Athletics races. But one thing I will say, you said there and I don't expect you to come back to this. So don't answer it if you don't want to. You said there, don't bite the hand that feeds you. At which point has that hand fed you? Like, I don't see that hand feeding you at all, mate. So I'll leave that thought with you. You don't have to respond to that. We can talk about that off camera. But ultimately, I just want to see better for our sport because I know it can be better. So to round off, Alfie, one final topic that I want to cover before we um, introduce Chris to the show for for a conversation about the Top Flight Race Series. I noticed this week on TikTok, I mean, mate, you're all over TikTok at the moment, aren't you? I mean, you are going viral, boy. (laughs) What can I say? It's very. I'm very. I'm very proud. I'm like a proud parent. I'm very. I'm very happy for you. You deserve the views because your content is good. It's concise. It's to the point, and it and it actually brings value, which is great. But I do have one question. I noticed this week that I don't know if it was across multiple posts or it was one post. I think I saw it more than once, but you made a point of calling out TikTok coaches slash. I don't know what you want to summarize it as unqualified TikTok coaches or unqualified coaches in general or, or influencer coaches. What's your beef? Talk to me about it.
1: I see so many people on TikTok, on social media, trying to sell coaching, trying to sell, not even sell, just give information. Firstly, what's entirely wrong. And secondly, the whole premise, what they market around is insane like i I think i saw one the other day what was like i've ran a a 313 marathon which by the way has no connection to their ability as a coach here's what i did if you want to be coached by me follow this link it's like your time what you ran in a race really shouldn't have any connection to your ability as a coach and secondly your ability as a coach definitely doesn't have any connection to how many instagram or tiktok followers you, do, you have whereas it always seems to be the route that tiktokers and instagrammers fake go down clearly just to get a, a quick bit of money like i can't stand even if it's just advice i saw an advice video yesterday what said running in a weighted vest can give you the best fitness gains out of anything else it'll give you the best way to get injured quickly and ruin your mechanics But they said that and they've got followers and people believe it and it's like it's so toxic and bad for the average population like in one way there's been a massive rise on run clubs uh, all this through tiktok and social media which is great but then you've got these people who are just talking absolute nonsense and think that they can somehow in their head believe that they've got this platform and know what they're talking about maybe because of the followers that they've got it's just harmful it's just injuring so many runners and it's just, it just does my head in. So I feel like it's my duty now to uh, speak about it on TikTok. And do you know what you said about be the nice guy? It's, it's hard to do, be the nice guy and say it. So I'm, I'm trying to very step carefully with what I say, but I'm wanting to say a lot more on TikTok, um, which I might try and figure out a way to get across because it's it just, it does my head in. It's really not good for uh, the average, average runner who sees a TikTok and goes, oh, let me try that. It's just awful.
0: Well, it's interesting you the reason why I brought this up is because uh just under 2 weeks time I'm going on a podcast with Runner's World. Pretty big podcast and reason being is I got invited on to talk about this topic to talk about unqualified coaches in the UK. This is um influencer coaches without qualifications and basically the influx of people that now class themselves as coaches whether they do it to profit in various avenues or not, and the harm that causes to individuals, but also the coaching industry. Now, I've been coaching, I was coaching online from 2000 and, I've been a coach for 10 years now, but I've been coaching online from 2016 slash 17 until last year. And I literally retired, stopped, because, I hated the industry. That was the reason I had to step away. Like it made the job unbearable and unenjoyable because the standard of coaching has dropped so far that your my credibility as a coach and what I thought was credible was just being put on the same level playing field as literally influencer coaches that have either not been running for long have no qualifications, have no credibility, have no experience, maybe some experience, some level level of of history, whatever. But my main gripe with this is that running coaches are not regulated in the UK. And that really needs to change. Let's imagine you go down to your local leisure centre and there's a swimming pool there. And you walk up to the counter and you go, Hey, love, I'm a swimming coach. I'm coaching a few swimmers in the pool. Do you really think they're going to let you in? No chance. Some Tom, Dick and Harry off the street. No chance. Mate, you'd be called a paedophile. You'd be, the old Bill would be down there in five minutes. Okay? Now, I'm not calling coaches on TikToks paedophiles. That's for certain. But what I'm saying is that along, that aside from that it's harmful for individuals and there is a risk of injuries and all of that sort of stuff, aside from the fact that it is so harmful for the coaching industry and for coaches that have actually worked for years to get qualifications. It took me five years to get to my level of qualification. It's actually a massive safeguarding issue, like a huge safeguarding issue. You and I both know of a coach that has been completely um, exiled from loads of groups because of their personality, right? We could go, oh my Christ, that's a very extreme scenario. Now, if that coach was qualified, in the uk then as an athlete you could report them to british athletics and they'd be they'd be investigated but because they're not qualified there are no there's no there's no there's no um repercussions there's no there's no justice there so let's say that something quite bad happens say a coach takes advantage of an athlete an athlete coach relationship the athlete has no security that athlete has nothing has no national governing body to look after them and these are the things that I know it sounds extreme. I know it sounds extreme because we've gone from TikTok coaches to safeguarding, but these things are genuinely happening in our sport. They are ha- There are coaches out there that are doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. But even from a more baseline level, the advice, whether it's credible or not, you say it's not, I'd probably agree that a lot of it isn't. But ultimately, it actually upsets me of how unprofessional running coaching has become because if we think of other sports like football even netball mate vic went to netball training last night and the coach there was like a full time paid coach and this was just some like crappy little local league but all other sports and other industries like teaching um even private tutoring any other industry is regulated and it's professionalized why is running coaching left off that list? And until it's regulated and until it's policed by our national governing body to actually say that if you call yourself a running coach and you charge any amount of money for your services, you have to be qualified to this level. Else, whatever the consequences are, that's that's what I'm going to be discussing on the Runners World well podcast. And I hope and pray that one day it happens. Because until then, I ain't interested in online coaching, mate. I hate it.
1: That's yeah, I, I mean, the there's a, there's a, like you said, there's a safeguarding issue, and there's a just a health of the athlete issue in terms of the coach not knowing what they're doing and just setting useless training. And I think they're both equally. And probably the safeguarding issue is more important. I'd rather get injured than something I've taken advantage of. Which is, you've seen it. Like it's such a bad issue in the UK at the minute as well. Like it's it such an right. issue. It's it makes you think like. How many people have I seen coaching who contribute towards that issue? And you know, the amount of coaches I've come across in the years, it's probably quite a few, and or coaches, self proclaimed coaches. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, in any other sport, you're not gonna have that. And I think maybe the rise of some run clubs or like running groups, when one of them goes, Oh, you know what, I know quite a bit about running, I'll start coaching. Like there's a group in Sheffield who train and they just get sent a text every week by this this not a coach but who's setting their stuff they don't have any communication with their athletes they just they don't know what their athletes are doing in between they don't know how they're doing in the session and that's quite bad for the whole group because it's not specialized it's not there's no there's not really thought into it it's just they've seen this session done by a famous coach once and think oh that famous coach did that once I'll just include it these are these are what it does. It, it improves lactic threshold or whatever. It's just, it's yeah, it's people who get their education from TikToks or Instagram Reels and then try to pass it on to other people. It's, you need to, you need to know what you're doing. You need to be qualified because you need to have the basics down. You need to know about how to manage training load, how to manage the health. That's the basics. What you need to know, and you're not going to get that just from knowing what training training uh, sessions to do. So,
0: well, I think um, I think running coaching. I mean, I I would class running coaching as a. It's a practice that you teach people, right? It's a way of doing the things that you teach people. You know, if you do it in person, you actively teach people how to do certain things. Um, but it is a practice. You learn how to run. You learn how to run better. Now, if you was on TikTok one night, and you see someone. On your, on your feed and they're really good at maths like really good at maths they're like a maths wizard would you would you say to your kid oh I'm not going to take you to a school to be taught by a maths tutor or a maths teacher that's got their DBS check and degree or whatever you have to get to become a teacher I've no idea I'm actually going to send you around this, uh, this, this geezer's house or go to a park to learn maths from this geezer he's got loads of followers and he wears sick stuff like he's got the sick he's got this sick outfit on he's just really inspirational and he puts a sick soundtrack on i just got real belief in that guy now i must sound stupid right now and i must sound i must sound ridiculous but that's ultimately what's happening with running coaches you believe in this advice you go and invest into coaches that are they're not running coaches they're people that either like or love running and are just giving unqualified advice That that's, there's not actually a name for them but they're not running coaches um, but we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens as I say end of the month this podcast is going to go out so see how that goes um, I'm sure it'll rub a few people up the wrong way see what happens but um obviously Alfie, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this conversation up we're gonna get chris on the show now to talk about this top flight races series which is uh, brought to you by run through Sixty thousand pounds worth of prize money is up for grabs across the 12 races all up and down the uk and we're going to chat to chris now who is the race director for the series and see what his thoughts are about it and where you can tune in to follow along welcome to the show chris So we're going to take a short break from the podcast episode to talk to you about today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pillar Performance. For those of you that are new to the show, Pillar is a sports micronutrition company who have developed products that intersect between pharmaceutical intervention and sports supplements for athletes. Recently, myself and Alfie and the entire Trackster team have started taking Pillar triple magnesium and it has been an absolute game changer for our sleep and recovery. This is the same magnesium used by athletes like Charlotte Perdue, and Olympian Brett Robinson. Now, normally I take it about half an hour before bed each night. And where Pillar differs from other micronutrition that you may have taken before or seen on the market is the measurable results that I see on my Coros watch. So my REM and my deep sleep has actually increased between 10 and 15%. Now, not only that, if you've got a Coros or you've got a Whoop or you've got a Garmin, for me, it's a Coros, my actual recovery score has increased since taking the triple magnesium. And that is massive whilst I'm training for my upcoming marathon. So if you'd like to get involved with today's sponsor and you'd like to try Pillar today, head to pillarperformance.shop or if you listen to our episode in the USA, head to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and enter our discount code trackster for 15% off. So that's TRAXTER for 15% off all of your first time purchases with Pillar Performance. But enough of that, we're gonna get back into the show.
2: Let's crack straight on.
0: All right, welcome to the show, Chris. How are we doing, mate?
2: Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you very much.
0: How's your day going so far? What have you been up to as the busy man that I know you are?
2: Yeah, very, very busy. So working hard on Newcastle 10K, getting all the preparations in for this weekend, actually doing a bit of um, testing for the live stream that we've got. Um, We've been doing live stream for some of our events, but without commentary, because it was a bit of an extra step. So hopefully we've got that nailed down so that it's going to be really engaging for anybody tuning in to watch.
0: Yeah mate I know from first hand experience the stress that doesn't just go into organizing a race but when you throw in the mixed live stream and output of content and making sure that people that can't make it can watch it mate I bet you haven't slept for about a week
2: Yeah well it's all it's all part of it but it's all worth it on the on the day especially like for delivering a new like Event that we've got this weekend like we've got two and a half thousand runners coming up so to get a new event on the calendar with the top flight element in there as well like yeah not not sleeping but for good reasons just excitement really
0: yeah it's massive mate and i really want to get an understanding of of what it's all about and where it's all come from because some of our listeners may not be aware of 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 who you are and the job that you obviously are, um, are carrying out at the moment but talk us through what is the top flight Series. What is it?
2: Hopefully, some of them still remember me from running because uh, I haven't been, I haven't been out injured and um, haven't got that old over the last few years. But yeah, I've obviously come from like a middle and long distance background. I've sort of been in this scene for like twenty plus years, trying to run it, uh, like track races, road races around the UK, some some abroad, and I have taken a lot of those experiences. and I wanted to deliver some new high-level events with things that are cherry-picked from those events um, so that we have a really strong series in the UK. And with the Top Flight series, basically, we've taken 12 of run-throughs events, so one every month, and we've looked at which one is best fit, so is it super fast and flat, or is it a really massive event with 6,000 runners, Um, something like that, so has has the event got enough razzmatazz for us to bring in like a strong front end of the race or is this course just so conducive to fast, fast times that everybody who's really good needs to know about this. Um. So that that was the idea uh, of the of the series. We've got one per month. We've tried to spread it geographically. So we've got there's some in, in London and Battersea Park. We've got some in the south, some in the Midlands, some in the north and some in the northeast. Obviously, I'm from the northeast, so I've managed to get like Newcastle, Keyside 5K, Jared 10K, on the programme of ones that are already established. Other venues that people know about are Battersea Park. We've got three events there. We all know that type of flat and fast. And, yeah, some of our other events that elite runners might not necessarily be as aware of because they haven't had a sharp end before, but some of these courses are also going to be really favourable to fast times or they are a really big event that would be great to have them involved in.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, mate. That that point you made there about some of some of the courses that people aren't aware, it's, it's always interesting because as soon as a course is widely known as a quick one, it becomes famous in the UK overnight and then it's stacked for the next decade. So it's great that we can highlight, or you guys can highlight some of these courses that are lesser known. Obviously, it's Newcastle 10K this coming weekend. We'll talk about that one in a second, but I know that Run Through have supported this massively. I'm just reading here the press release that, Obviously you've got a massive prize pot across the series of sixty grams, sixty thousand pounds, which is huge in sort of um domestic racing. We're not used to seeing that much money put up. Talk us through the prize money structure and ultimately, you know, why athletes should turn up to these races to, to take home the bag.
2: Yeah, so we wanted to have a narrative and something that somebody could um get that could buy into and they could follow over twelve months. So they can buy into every individual race and into the whole series. So in terms of the whole series, we've got a prize pot which goes from £1,000 down, which will be rewarded at the end of the season with our like series finale at Ribble Valley. And on the way there, the runners can pick up points if they finish in the top 10 of any race. So basically, we've got a, like a, Grand, a F1 Grand Prix-style point system from 25 points down to 1, for 1st to 10th in any of the events that we've got. And your best three scores will add together to give your final points total. Which, and if you're in the top 10, you're in the money for the overall series. Now, we, we decided that it was going to be, you had to run in three of the events minimum, um, but also to cap it at three because it was unrealistic to think. Again, I've been an athlete in this exact area, so it's unrealistic to think that Lots of people would be able to do way more than three events because there's so many other events that they might be doing, like national championships, things like that, or like illness, injuries. But over a 12 month period, they should be able to pick out three races. We also spread it out over 5k, 10k, and half marathon. So you could get some very good half marathon guys picking up points in the half marathon, some very good 5k runners picking up points there. And then you could have, you know, s- some really good. Runners from different ends of the endurance spectrum All coming together towards the end of the series On very similar points We all we chose Ribble Valley for our last Event which is already absolutely loaded And was won in uh, 28 and a half minutes this year So it's already an absolutely loaded event So this is just going to add an extra Element to that, so race by race People can pick up points To the overall series prize And then every single individual event Has also got its own Prize structure, so there's quite a bit of prize money on the line so it's 200 pound for the win Is just that's just straightforward and then after that from first to eighth you if you as long as you've run under the time that we've set on the site so it, it is top flight it is focused on the elite performance but as long as you've recorded that time you'll get your payout after that we then had a very generous bonus scheme on top of that as well so a course record is another 200 pound UK lead another 200 pound run through record Another five hundred pound. There are some slight caveats with that because some of our events are either new or the record for that particular event is not very good. So obviously, we, we wouldn't want to pay out if a, if for a new course, new course record. It has to be. I'll turn
0: up. I'll I'll take it. I'll take the course record.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we've got entry five k in there, which is a known like flat and fast course. And we've got some strong times on the ten k and a half marathon there in the past. Um, but putting a 5k in there, I think our course record's like 16 and a half minutes. So obviously that's, we've got a caveat. So for example, Newcastle 10k on the men's side will pay out from 29.30 on a course record. So it's still like a, and the equivalent for the women's. So they're, they're still like an achievable carrot. Um, But yeah, people can look on the on the website and look at what is going to pay out. Now, Newcastle, I thought the UK lead time was just going to be... Obviously taken at Newcastle, um, because there was not going to be many races before then. But then, uh, Valencia just happened at the weekend, and the men's and women's times are now really quick. So, if anything, I'm a little bit disappointed at that because I wanted the course, uh, I wanted a UK lead at Newcastle. But we'll have to see if they can pull one out of the bag.
0: Who knows, mate? Who knows? But just, just one thing, Chris. You said there. Obviously, there's um prize money for the series itself and then per race we also have prize money you're paying down to eighth can you just run us through so first second and third how much would they win if they win a race
2: so you get 200 pound if you win and then all the other money is cumulative okay so as long as you're in the as long as you're under the trigger time so for the 10k it's 30 minutes and it's all based around that so that all these times are well achievable so it would be another 250 pound for that So if you won under 30 minutes it's 450 quid and then second place would get uh, 200 175 150 125 175 50 so it doesn't drop off like massively um so it, it is encouraging a strong performance right the way through so like in terms of the money cumulatively added up the example of Newcastle there for this weekend you get four hundred and fifty quid if you win under thirty minutes. But if you're under twenty nine thirty, that's another two hundred pound on top of that. Wow. Nice it's so, a payday. Exactly. So the money can stack up and then we we have tried to spread it over the twelve months, but because our events are already on the calendar, there's not an exact month in between. So our next one, Warwick, which is a half marathon, is only two weeks later. So it's been a little bit more difficult to recruit for that because it's a half marathon that people haven't necessarily heard of in the in the in the elite field but if you have a look at those bonuses and what the uk leads currently are on the men's especially on the ladies side um these races if you have if you just look at the uk leads and the potential course record bonuses they could easily get swept up um so yeah if anybody is interested in running for example warwick in two weeks time have a look at the bonuses and just think well yeah i could I could scoop those up. It's not a super deep field there. Like it's going to be harder to achieve the top eight in Newcastle, for example, than it is at Warwick because we've had a lot more interest. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get people engaged in these first few events. And then as the series develops, the, the fields get stronger and stronger. People associate um, the top flight brand with a really fast elite race and then more sign up. And like you said, once people discover that some of these courses are, extremely conducive to good times the following year uh, people will want to flock to it
0: most definitely chris most definitely so this coming weekend newcastle 10k that's going to kick off the top flight series who are the, the some of the leading runners and riders that we've got to look forward to seeing on the on the weekend in the men's and women's races
2: so it is pretty it is pretty loaded um, i'll start with the with the lady side so la- ladies can go first go first yeah so we have um, Emily Kearney coming up, who was second in Ribble Valley, so she is in very, very good form, and wasn't far outside of a PB at Ribble Valley, but had uh, came off the back of a marathon in Valencia. So, I'm expecting Emily to to win and hopefully scoop up the bonuses, and then behind her, there's a group of northeast leading ladies who are also in really good form. So you've got Sophie Pickett who. Has been winning a race, at least one race, won every month from August right the way through. So she's in a good winning form, wow. and is very, very evenly matched with Jasmine Wood, who's a like England international, really young, and she's just ran nine thirty indoors last week. So they're, they're all they're all coming in in really good form. So that one's going to be exciting. And on the men's side, at the sharp end, we've got Callum Johnson, so fresh off uh, finishing fifth in, in Liverpool and went to the European cross-country. So Callum is always in good shape. He had a little bit of a break after the Europeans and that was more of a mental break. Obviously, he's still been being, still being training hard, decided against Parliament Hill and he's, he's going to go for it in Newcastle. And I, I can envisage this being a very, very close battle between him and Cameron Allen. So Cameron Allen, uh, both their PBs, I think, are 28-37, so they're... Very evenly matched on paper. Cameron ran exceptionally well in America, and it's taken a little bit more time to adjust. But he just won a like he won one of the Northeast cross countries last week by ninety seconds against a pretty good field. So that shows you that wow. he is coming back into, into really good shape. Uh, we've got uh, a guy called Dennis Kiplingat who's going to be based in the UK short term. He was sixth in the Ugandan Championships for the for. 2021 and 22 so he's a sub 14 guy hasn't got a 10k registered um, but i'm expecting him to to come and go out hard we've got some guys coming from a bit further afield so we've got jonathan escalante phillips coming up so he won bath half marathon ran pretty well at telford just outside of his pb but again will have had the half marathon in his legs so i'm hoping that he could be up there challenging for a 29 minutes got a lad um from the northeast joe armstrong who has just ran 1412 out in barcelona 5k a couple of weeks ago so again coming into the race in very very good form so um, there's a there's a few other names there we'll we can stick stick a link to the to the elite field but yeah it's sharp but It's it's shaping up really well for a for a first event so yeah i'm really happy with that
0: nice no, it's, it's looking good mate it's looking good and in terms of you know our listeners, Chris, getting involved into this series. Where where can they go to find out all the information? Not just pre race, but also how can they stay in in touch with the series and how it's progressing
2: throughout the twelve months. So we have got a website, Top Flight Races. So if they if they go on there, if they can, if they want to enter. For example, they can just have a look on each of the races, look at what the free entry standard is and fill out the contact form that'll just come through to me. So it's got a link to like your power of 10 in there. And as long as you've hit the entry standards, which are very generous, um, then we'll give you free entry. There's an expenses criteria there as well. So the better you are, the more expenses we're happy to pay for you to come to the events as well so um, that's being quite generous and that's not actually factored into the headline sixty thousand potential prize pot. we're also saying we will get you here as well because some of these races might not be on your doorstep obviously we're going around the the country so some of them are on your doorstep but obviously some of them aren't as well so yeah we will be paying uh, expenses we've also got uh, an instagram channel of at top flight races which is pretty new and we're going to focus the content um, on the upcoming events and yeah hopefully hopefully putting some good stuff out there we're also doing what we're going to call the top flight show so that is going to be on youtube on run through tv so we've actually just recorded um, a podcast where we're talking about the series talking about newcastle looking at the nuances of the course and we're going to try and do that in advance of each of the events just to try and you know, build, build a narrative get people to know the athletes and then each event will have the live stream and the commentary and we're going to try and collect as much information on athletes as possible that people might not be aware of so it's not just going on power of 10 and writing some numbers down in terms of what they've ran but we're going to we're going to see if we can find out information about those runners to inform the audience i'm, I'm a big fan of watching the Tour de France for example on Eurosport and you know you know the backstory of every guy in the peloton by the time you've finished watching the Tour de France and that doesn't really happen in athletics they'll focus on the few people who people have heard of and um, right at the sharp end and after that you don't really get to hear much so yeah we're all everybody who's involved in this is really passionate and has got some sort of background in this area and thinks this should be happening why hasn't it happened before and now we've got the opportunity to do it so yeah
0: i think it's fantastic chris i think it's a great initiative it's uh ultimately you're not you're not reinventing the wheel you're just giving you're giving the uk what it needs you know we do need a series of good high quality races for these athletes but i think it speaks volumes that not only uh is there a massive prize pot available and you've got the bonuses that you can add on there and it's the fact that you know you're giving out free entries and you're also paying expenses to get these athletes to races i think if there's one common uh topic that we talk about on this podcast when we have when we have athletes predominantly on here especially the ones that are either on pretty pretty low-end contracts or they're just not sponsored they all say access to races get into races and ultimately you are solving a lot of runners problems so to our listeners if you are listening and you want a good quality race then head over to top flight races get involved uh, as chris says you know the the entry the entry process is very generous there's also an expenses uh process as well but rest assured chris we will keep our audience up to date with all of the results of these races um because ultimately one of the goals for trackster is to to, sh- to showcase the sport in the uk and the world and we're going to start in newcastle this weekend mate i can't wait
2: Yes, yeah, it'll be it'll be great. So yeah, thank you for the for the ongoing support because I know you've supported us with some of the with the other races as well. So I mean, in twenty twenty three, the ones that are going to appear on this series like the like I mentioned before, the Keyside five k and Jarrow ten k. Scott Beatty ran thirteen forty five at the Keyside five k this year, so he did us a massive favour. Um, at the sharp end because I knew that course was fast, and that's just elevated again because more more eyes on the course. That's um, parallel to Newcastle Ten K, so the KZ Five K is on the cycle path and Newcastle Ten K is on the adjacent road. So it's it's a wider right. road, and it's uh, like it's really sheltered and stuff. So yeah, we we're, we're gonna get some super fast races, and yeah, hopefully we'll get some good engagement.
0: Excellent. Well best of luck, Chris, mate. I hope you get at least some rest after this weekend. But enjoy it, mate. You've worked hard and you have uh, you've earned the uh, enjoyment that's gonna come from it, mate. And we thank you as the running community of putting this on, mate. It's really it's really fantastic. Well done.
2: Right. Cheers. See you soon.
0: Thanks, mate. I'll see you around. So that's it for part two of our opening series. And that concludes our opening episode of the Tracks the podcast. In 2020, big things to come, and I cannot wait. Big thank you to our sponsor of the show, Pillar Performance. And if you'd like to try Pillar today, head over to pillarperformance.shop. And if you're listening from the US, head to thefeed.com forward slash Pillar. Now, after seeing so many top athletes on my Instagram using Pillar and their stats improving for their sleep quality and recovery, we were buzzing at Trackster when we were able to team up and I could give their triple magnesium a try. What I do is I take it 30 minutes before bed and not only do I feel like I recover better, the data from my Coros shows hard and fast improvements in my HRV and restorative sleep. So in the same way, you might start your day with a coffee, wind it down with a pillar, triple magnesium, and recover better for your next run. Now, if you enter our code TRAKSTER you can get 15% off your first time purchase. That's TRAKSTER for 15% off. And to stay up to date with all things Trackster, head over to our Instagram and drop us a follow. A big thank you to you all for joining myself and Alfie on the show. And we'll see you next week for another chat. Cheers.